All right, we're recording. Hey, everybody. I'm Keith Morgan. I'm a Bearded Golf Pro. This is the first episode of the Bearded Golf Pro podcast. And today I have one of my former, I guess still current students, um, Josh Granger. Josh is a former Division I golfer at UC Davis. Um, Josh is the first player I ever coached that played Division I golf. Um, and I just want to get some of his insight on junior golf and his career as a college golfer. Um, Josh, want to say hi? Hello. Hi, Keith. Good, good to be here. Thanks for having me on, and uh, hello, everyone listening. Yeah, man. So uh, first thing, when did you start playing golf? Um, I picked up golf pretty late. Uh, some people hear the stories of Tiger starting at 11 months. Yeah, that wasn't my story. I was almost 13, I think. I had never played golf, never touched golf before and my brother-in-law invited me to go play golf with him one day and I didn't have anything better to do so I went out and played with him and got hooked um I want to say it was that week or the following week I, I went and told my parents hey can I get a set of clubs we went down to play it against sports and bought a whole set for 60 bucks and nice. I was off to the races that was it so that was right before I went went into high school and then luckily I was able to get enough stuff under my belt, uh, played on the high school team and everything kind of took off from there. And did you grow up playing other sports or were you basically a, a nerd? Didn't do anything? No, no. Uh, always played sports my whole life. Played eight years of club soccer, played basketball, a whole bunch of different stuff, YMCA, local, uh, you know, sports leagues, um, a ton of pickup basketball and and uh, stuff like that I played a year of baseball I think I would have liked it more but I wanted to pitch and the coach did not let me pitch and ever since then I was like you know what I don't want to play baseball anymore um but yeah that was it was basketball is always my first love huge Kobe Bryant fan growing up I used to I used to shoot hoops while the Laker games are going on and uh, especially when they got down real close, I'd get nervous. I didn't want to watch the game, so I'd go, I'd go pretend I was in the game. Like, oh, Kobe gets the ball, makes a three at the end. So I was definitely not a golfer. I always thought it was kind of for sissies. And uh, the real sports were basketball, soccer, baseball, football, all that stuff. Um, nice. So getting into golf was a new thing for me. Yeah, it's kind of the same as my story. I was basketball, baseball all through high school. And then it gets super crazy about golf until after that. So you said you started – uh, golfing right about 13. How long after that were you playing in junior tournaments? I know I, I knew you then. I mean, you were pretty much at the range every day. Well, it would have, my first tournament would have been, it was the LA City Junior, and it would have been that next year because I started taking lessons pretty quick. So I'm guessing my first tournament would have been I don't know if you remember when the LA City Junior is, what time of the year. I think it's April. Yeah, I think I think somewhere around there. I think you're right. So if I started if I started maybe summer or fall, you know, so it might have taken me eight months, ten months, something like that before I played my first tournament. Yeah. Um, and then after and that I've been having lessons. Much, excuse me? I said, and then after that you were pretty much on the the junior tour circuit. All through right. high school, nonstop, traveling all over the place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was yeah. kind of hooked. Once I played that first tournament, you know, obviously I didn't 
make the cut. The LA City Junior is a pretty big event, and they have a cut. So I didn't make the cut, and I was like, oh, I want to keep doing this. I wanted to keep getting better. Um, I did part my first hole, though. My first ever junior tournament, I part my first hole. <laughs> I still remember that. That's, that's a good uh, memory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I cool. hit it on the fringe and two-putted. Nice. So, uh, I wish I, wish yeah, I could I still remember that. that. My coach at the time, Will Neal. The great so Will Neal. For those listening, Will Neal is a, a legend in the San Gabriel Valley coaching scene. He uh, he's, he told – because he was there watching it with my mom, and I remember him telling my mom after, he said, I bet you he, he doesn't have enough club here. I bet you he's going to try and hit it real hard because I used to swing way too hard at everything. And sure enough, I told him after the round, he's like, oh, yeah, I figured – you know, I was like, oh, I, I hit pitching wedge. I was trying to hit it real hard or something like that. So, yeah, um, yeah he knew my game pretty well. Yeah, that was Will Nil. I mean, in a way, you're kind of what got me into coaching golf. I met you – working in the golf shop at Santa Anita, still playing quite a bit myself. And we became pretty good friends because I'd give you like all the brand new golf balls when you came in the golf shop, when we'd get, we'd get a whole batch of new pearls. And then we were all, we'd always talk about golf and all kinds of other things. And I asked you one time if I could go watch you take a lesson because I thought you were, I saw you progress really fast in like a year. And I was thinking, man, this kid's swing guy so good so quick and he's out here all the time busting his butt like who's this guy's coach and then you you asked will if i could come watch uh or watch one of your lessons or shadow him during one of your lessons and i met will and then that was my first real full-time teaching gig was after a few years after that i started working for Will full-time um and he's a great mentor i'm gonna try and get him on here too would be i think it'd be maybe the most entertaining podcast of all time if i could get will to do one of these so oh man the stories do not stop. <laughs> Although you might have to play it back half speed to understand everything you said. Yeah, I talk quick, but he talks a lot quicker. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. So after after you played, you know, you, like I said, you got into the junior tours. Um, you played mostly Southern California junior tour, right? You you did a little bit of a no, few not really, days, right? Uh, not really. I I I played a couple of the SCPGA events, um, but. I quickly, like early on, I realized all oh, the 36 hole events as opposed to 18 or nine hole events. Those are the, those are the ones that college coaches look at. Those are the ones that you get better at. Those are the ones that have, you know, people respect you for. And then obviously the big ones are 54 hole events, you know, three round. Right. So um, because of that Toyota tour cup was, was big at the time. Right, still uh, is. still is pretty big, but uh, you know, I qualified for that. That was a big moment for me to qualify or have enough status to play in those. And I had a couple good finishes there. But then the other place I played was a lot of FCWT, which I don't right. know if they're still around. Future Collegians World Tour, IJGT, uh, International Junior Golf Tour, um, Jags. I know they aren't around because unfortunately one of their founders had passed away. Right. So that was Junior American Golf Scholars or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and any other little two-day event that they would put together. So uh, that that all these places would put together. So we really focused on the two-day events. I was lucky because my, my parents were very supportive. Um, and to play the FCWT and the IJGT, those were pretty pricey, I remember, at the time. So if you could play the Tour to Tour Cup, those were actually more reasonable. But the, those other ones were a little more expensive. and. They had them all over. We would go to Vegas, Arizona, 
Um, there was a junior PGA event. That was my first ever tournament I won. That was in Las Vegas at Las Vegas Country Club. So uh, we went to one in Oregon, um, Washington. There was a couple in Florida we went to because I qualified for a couple of those. And then, you know, it just started turning into all, all over the country. Wherever yes, wherever you did. You, you basically you basically went around and played pretty much everywhere, especially like since you started late, you had to kind of go out anywhere you could to get seen. Right. So that kind of right. moves us into college. When did you start getting recruited um, and how did you make the decision to go to UC Davis? Uh, well, that's kind of an interesting story because I wasn't really putting myself out there. I, I, I don't remember exactly how college initially came up or how we started talking about obviously will neil would have been talking about it with us um obviously i wanted to play at some point um i know ucla was my school because i'm from los angeles area and i didn't really have a family tie to a particular division one school so i just figured whatever is close by and ucla i always liked so um um I don't know. We started thinking about college, but the first ever thing was I got a couple letters. It was either my sophomore year in high school, but most likely my junior year at the beginning. And they were just letters. They were regular stock letters on school letterhead. And I got one from Notre Dame, Coastal Carolina, um, uh, Army, the Army Academy, uh, one of the Ivy League schools, I think Cornell. A couple other schools. And I remember they just, they all came in right around the same time. And that was, that was really exciting for me because obviously I, you know, I wasn't reaching out to these schools. They had been following my performance. There was a lot of national rankings and, um, you know, different ways that they would rank people. And obviously the fact that I was ranked so, you know, however high got me high enough to where these schools just started sending me letters. So ever since then, um, we, you know, the process started, but I think pretty early on, we realized that a local school might make more sense because we did do a tour of Notre Dame, we did a tour of Coastal Carolina, we did a tour of a couple other schools, but, you know, it's expensive to go over there. And, you know, when you're 16, 17, you don't understand it, but, you know, my parents are pretty like, hey, you know, this isn't this is probably gonna be pretty pricey unless you get some money. So, it wasn't until then that I I I started reaching out to a lot of the local schools, like the UC school system. So obviously UCLA was on my list, and UC Davis, UC Irvine, UC Santa Barbara, um, I think Cal State Fresno, um, and some some of those schools, uh, University of Pacific, but. Um, that was actually pretty tough. I felt like a lot of schools weren't really interested in me. And there was one meeting we had with this guy. I, I won't mention his name because, uh, I don't want to badmouth anyone in the golf industry, but we had a meeting with this guy and he, his job is to advise, you know, kind of sit down with your family and with the player and kind of say, Hey, this is where you're at. This is where you have a potential of going. And I sat down, I told him I want to play division one golf. And he looked at my scores, he looked at my performance and he said, you're not division golf uh, material basically in summary. And he said, you should look at division two schools. Division one schools should be reach schools. Cause you're probably not going to get into those. And I remember that pissed me off. 
And uh, I said, no, I'm going to play Division One golf. I told my mom I don't ever want to meet with that guy again because I believe in myself and I don't need this guy to tell me that I'm not that good. So, but it was tough. I remember at one point I was considering uh, William Jessup University, which is a tiny, tiny NAIA school in Sacramento. And right. I just like the fact that they really wanted me. They're going to give me a full ride. Um, I came from a small high school, small private Christian school, high school and junior high and all that stuff. So this would have been another of the same. And that I think that similarity kind of felt safe to me. Um, but it was kind of like a last resort. It, it just felt nice that one of those schools like really wanted me, were actively pursuing me. Uh, there was a junior college in Arizona that was really actively pursuing me. And they were like, if you spend two years here, we'll, we'll make sure to get you into one of the top 50 programs. And they were telling me all about how they were a breeding ground for all these great players to go. And But I, I just wanted a four-year school. I, I had that in my yeah. mind, a Division One four-year school. So um, the turning point for me was I won two tournaments in the span of like five weeks, a couple of big tournaments. Well, not, not big per se, but big for the level I was at. And ever since then, I started getting – letters and there was a lot of schools that I had reached out to that weren't really interested. Then after I won those, they were actually interested and they started working out a plan for, you know, this is how much we could give you. And this is uh, how much we're willing to um, uh, commit that you'll be on our team or on our roster or whatever. But all that happened late in my senior year. So yeah. I was unusual. Most division one athletes, they commit early. Uh, I was a late, late commit. I didn't commit until, shoot, maybe halfway through my senior year, which is pretty unusual. Um, and that was just because, like I said, I, I was kind of holding out. I knew I wanted to play Division One golf. And uh, those, you know, winning a couple tournaments and improving my game at the last minute was kind of that last step. So it ended yeah. up coming down between a couple of schools in California and picked UC Davis because they had the best program and they were cheap. Uh, it was a state school and I could stay in skate in, in state. And at the time they were ranked 38th in the country, 35th in the country or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. I think there's a couple of really good, good nuggets in there. Like I, I, I won't mention his name either. He's actually, he's a really good friend of mine. I know who you met with. Um, I'm going to try, I'm trying to get him on here too, actually. But, you know, in hindsight, he, he might've been right at the time about where your game was, but your your belief in yourself was huge and then like like we said in the beginning you started really late and your trajectory was you're obviously getting better and you're getting better really fast and then winning those two you know tournaments in the late fall or i think it was springtime maybe even or no, no, i think it was, it was like, like march or april yeah so winning those two tournaments were ultimately the factor that got you into a d1 school so so, I mean, that's one of those situations where pretty much everybody can be right. Um, so you go up to UC Davis. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't blame, you know, I oh, don't yeah. blame him. It's just that was my mentality is screw yeah. that guy and I'm going to play a Division One golf. That was my goal. Yeah. And no, yeah. nobody could have told me other, otherwise. Yeah, and I think that's big for my, especially my juniors that will listen to this now. Like, you, you need to set your goals and go. I mean, Andrew, everybody knows Andrew. I mean, Andrew was the same way. We were – he had a couple other schools, but UC Santa Barbara was always the one he wanted to go to. And he was like, I'm, that's where I'm going. Like, I don't care. And in going into his junior year, 
again, he was a late starter just like you. And going into his junior year, it didn't look like that was necessarily going to happen. And he had a great summer that after his junior year, going into his senior year. And, and then there he is at UC Santa Barbara playing golf right now. Well, not right now, but playing as a freshman on that, on that team. Um, so when you get to UC Davis, what's the, what's the college golf experience like? Um, like for me, it was schedule, little... workouts, all those things. Like it's completely different than that. That I actually felt the scheduling stuff to be easy. Um, those who know me know that I'm a little weird in, in the, in the fact that school came kind of easy for me. Um, but not how people traditionally think, oh, you're a 5.0 student. It, it just was easy. So I put in minimal effort because I, I had an idea, you know, I kind of had an idea. I wanted, I wanted to make sure I got B's or higher and, um, but I wasn't willing to put in the extra work to get an A. So, uh, that left, you know, because I was able to manage my time, you know, we were at the gym, obviously that we were at the gym three times a week. We would run a couple times. And then every Friday we would do a four mile run, um, or we would do a timed run and we had to run four miles under half an hour, which looking back on it is fast. And I'm surprised that they had us do that because running isn't really necessary for golf, but it is what it is. And then we would lift and, um, certain days in the weeks we'd have early golf practice. Certain days we'd have late practice. We tried to play a couple of times. So I actually liked it. I thought it was, it was nice and easy. Like I liked that they were telling me where to go and when to go. And I wasn't making my own schedule of when to practice, but the freshman year was tough for me because I thought I was better than I was. And who knows why, but I felt like I got worse my freshman year. I remember I was hitting the ball so short, so short. And, uh, I don't really know if we could, if we ever really figured it out. And when I came back my sophomore year, I'd gained like 50 yards. No joke. And everyone was like, what the heck? But for whatever reason, that freshman year, I qualified for a couple big tournaments. Um, but, but it didn't really feel like I ever qualified. It kind of felt like a waste of an eligibility year, to be honest, because I did play in a couple of tournaments, but they were all six man tournaments which anyone who's played college golf, they're normally five-man tournaments. You take the four best. These were all six, take the five best. So, and I was always the last guy in those tournaments. So it was, it was almost like I didn't really qualify for anything. We just happened to have a couple of six-man tournaments and I played in those. Um, but I don't know. For me, I liked it. I liked that I, I had a nice strict schedule. You work out, you play golf. This is how you qualify. Um, but obviously anytime you go to a new school, there's a lot of changes. You, you meet these guys that are juniors and seniors and they have, you know, at that point in life, the difference between a 17 year old and a 20 year old is huge. So they had a lot more experience and life experience and patience. And you just kind of didn't understand. You're kind of making your way through it. But, um, but all in all, I, I mean, I was happy. I mean, after the freshman year, I wasn't trying to leave or anything. I just wished I would have played better golf. That was all. Yeah, I understand that. So, do, what about – did you face any types of adversities or anything during your, your college – your four years up at Davis, or was it pretty much stress-free, just play golf, get better every year? 
Well, the probably the biggest adversity and probably the most embarrassing story. I don't know if I've ever told you this in detail, but you might get a kick out of this. So we're qualifying, and this was pretty early on. And for whatever reason, I didn't really have in my mind that qualifying was like a tournament, even though it was, and it was supposed to be treated like a tournament. But I was like, this isn't a real tournament. This is us just qualifying amongst our team to see who's going to go for the tournament. So long story short, I was playing pretty well. I was going to qualify for this tournament. And then um, I started playing bad. And anyone who's played bad and starts feeling everything go the wrong way, you start getting nervous. So I get to the ninth hole at one of our courses that we play at. And I have this short putt. And I kind of raked it. Like I didn't, I didn't hit it because I was like, oh, it's a gimme. So I missed it and then tapped it in. And I might have done that one more time at the end of the round. So then I signed for my card. And I was like, that was a gimme. So I gave it to myself. <laughs> and uh, and uh, the senior, this big senior guy who was like one of our top players in the country, Austin Graham, like calls me out and he goes, hey, you're cheating. You, you put down two less strokes on your card. And I didn't really know what to say because I was like, well, it was, it was a gimme. I mean, I kind of gave it to myself. And it turned into this whole thing, like the – the coach sat me down and we had a talk and I kind of felt bad. Cause I was like, Oh, you know, maybe I was kind of cheating. And um, so I just told him, I mean, I just told him the truth and said, you know, I'm really sorry. And I, I think I would have qualified or he was going to pick me, but he's like, Hey, look, you know, it's still early on in your freshman year. I'm not going to pick you. Cause you know, I can't have somebody cheating or, or being accused of cheating. And um, So that was kind of my, my first big, big adversity, um, was that. And, and just, you know, you're like, it, it kind of catches you off guard. And, and I, I kept thinking about what are all these older guys on the team thinking of me now? Can they trust right. me? Do they think that I'm a, you know, a total piece of crap? And I'll, I think a lot of them didn't like me already because I had a temper at the time. So, but it, it yeah. was what it was, what it was. And, and I kind of moved on and, um, but at the time it was pretty nerve wracking for sure. And yeah, trying no, to overcome I, it. I think that, I think there's a lot, a lot to unpack in there. Like I, there is a big, like you mentioned the difference between an 18 year old kid and a 20, 21, 22 year old senior. And we both, I mean, I know Austin, he's a great guy. Um, oh, yeah. just sure. that, that senior leadership and, and camaraderie of the team, those things, you worry about those things like is this, this is going to affect the way these guys look at me then you start getting self-confidence issues and and you mentioned you talked about it a little bit but let's uh let's unpack your uh temper on the golf course and how it <laughs> on a scale, <laughs> go ahead I, I didn't have much of i didn't have much of a temper um things upset me and i think the biggest reason for it was i put pressure on myself I, I it was all my it was all I put pressure on myself for everything because I yeah. lived and died on every shot and and now where I'm at I'm still not you know I still have a lot of life to live but I'm 28 now and I have a different type of job and I've been through a lot more life experiences I'm married and, um now you look back and you go man you didn't have to live and die in every shot, but that was, that was why I got so frustrated it's because every shot, it was, it was not just, I let myself down, but I also let my, my parents down. I let Will and Keith down and I let 
my golf my golf coach and Davis down and I let the school down and my teammates and I, I just put every all this pressure and I didn't have to. Um, right. But I didn't get it at the time. So because of that, because it was so important to me, I'd get mad. I'd get really, really mad. And one of my good buddies on the team, Tim Honeycutt, uh, we're close now, but I, I remember him reminiscing back then. He's like, oh, dude, I hated you. You had a terrible temper. I hated playing with you and all that stuff. But, you know, you eventually calm down and become a little more mature. But I think that helped me back for sure. It was just my temper and my, my mental game helped me back. Yeah, I think I think that's very very important. I have a bunch of and you know I have a couple of juniors now that kind of struggle with the same things. You saw me. You're the, I tell everybody you're the only student I've ever coached that saw me play when I was actually still pretty good. Um, and you, but you've seen me throw some clubs. Like you've seen some of the, some of the best club throws of all time. Um, so, but yeah, I mean I think it's just important for the for my juniors listening to see how how it can affect you. And it, I mean ultimately it's probably why you stopped playing competitively. I mean, you, you got out of school. We're not going to get into it too much, but you got out of school, turned pro for a little while. Um, but just the scar tissue of all those years of beating yourself up, I think, is what ultimately came to a head. And you're just like, I just don't want to do this anymore. And yeah. to bring it full circle, like now, we don't play golf a lot, but I want you to just go ahead and compare your game now to when you were at your peak in college and – Tell me how different it is and what different what you attribute those differences to. Shoot, dude. Now, I honestly, now on average, I feel like I could beat myself in college, even at my peak. And I don't practice. I don't play. I don't uh looking at it objectively, back when I was playing well in college, which would have been points in my senior year and definitely the fall of my junior year. Um, I compared to with how I play now, my short game was better. My putting was better back then. Um, and all those feel shots were better. I think my iron game was better, but everything else, I, I drive the ball just as good as I ever have. Um, I still hit some great shots and then, Every now and then I'll kind of get lucky with a, a short game shot. But if I had the short game I had back in college, I would be better for not even close. I would be better now than I was in college. And the difference is just the mental side of it. That Honestly, that's all I would say. Back then, it felt like every – at some level or another, I was always working on something on my swing or working on some kind of technique or – putting a lot of pressure on myself. Normally, if we're just focusing on the golf swing, it was always I was working on something. Now, I don't care. The only thing I care about is hitting the ball, you know, 300 yards. Uh, just, you know, I'm going to have a cut start at the right edge of the left bunker, and it's going to finish in the center of the fairway. Or, right. or uh, all right, what what kind of shot does this hole need? I'm not working on anything. I, I've got a – I still have swing – feels like I, I like feeling certain things so when I go out and play I like feeling the path into out because I have a tendency to get the path uh, across the line so I hit a lot of I, I get these wipey misses but uh, as long as I kind of feel like I'm you know whatever my feel is for the day I get that feel and I just go out and play and the only thing I'm focused yeah. on is the shots and if I had that mentality back when I was playing oh man 
I'd probably still be playing now. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think, I think we've talked about it obviously a bunch of times. I mean, your game all around, if you just put a little bit of work in your short game and your putting, and I mean, back then you were practicing eight hours a day. Now, mm-hmm. if you put eight hours a week into those small areas, I, I think you're a better player. And I mean, like we, we talked about, there's the, the mid am and the am still out there, state am, all that stuff that you're going to start. Oh, yeah. playing, but, but, and again, it, 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 that's the other thing at college golf. It's hard when you're out there playing with guys like you're a, you're kind of a small fish in a big pond. And we talk about the way Matt Hansen hits the golf ball. He was on your team for all the years you were there. And like, yeah, maybe one of the best ball strikers, maybe one of the best ball strikers on the planet for all I know. And you start comparing yourself to that. And I mean, it's easy to think that you're not good enough. And then now you hit the ball, you scrape, scrape it around and shoot 66 at Goose Creek with me. And I'm like, oh, it's, that looks really, really easy. So, well, cool, man. I got a couple last, uh, in, in honor of Via Verde, I have five quick questions. I'm calling the whiskey run. Really oh, simple sweet. questions. <laughs> the whiskey, the whiskey run. run. Uh, so what's your favorite course you've ever played? That I've personally played? Yes. Uh, it's either Riviera or Cypress Point. Uh, I'm probably going to give the edge to Cypress Point because I love Monterey and the water. Do you, do you want to tell the Moonlight Cypress Point story? Uh, no, we could save it. This is going to be a, an ongoing okay. podcast. So All next right. time you have me on, maybe, uh, maybe, uh, maybe we can even have Tim Honeycutt as a guest. Oh, and he that, can, would, that would he be could, awesome. He uh, could verify that this story is, is the real deal. Awesome. Okay, second whiskey round question. Favorite major championship? Growing up, it was always the U.S. Open, but now that I'm, I'm at, it's the Masters. Masters, yeah. All right. Uh, best or most memorable shot you've ever hit or seen? The importance of the shot and how much I placed on it would probably be a, when I shot 66, you were there at, a, at that one tournament in the Prestige. Yep. Uh, I was five under going into the 17th hole, and I piped a drive to this long par five, and I had like 290 left or some some absurd number and i was thinking of laying up and my coach was there and i kind of say hey it's kind of a you know a tough shot should i lay up and he goes well you can go for it i mean i was like i could get it there but i don't know and he i I still remember him saying you know what you should go for it and i was like well what if i hit a bad shot he's like well just understand you got to hit a good shot it was kind of like one of those things where oh well if you hit a bad shot you hit a bad shot but you just got to know it requires a good shot. And I hit three wood there from like 290 onto the front of the green. And me and only one other guy in that entire field, best field in college golf, hit that green in two. And I two-putted for birdie, ended up shooting 66. And the only guy who had a better round that day was Chase Sung Pan. He shot 65. That's so, CT Pan on the PGA Tour now. but Yeah, that, that guy. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Um, Hold on. The only other shot that, that, that sticks out to me, and Will, I mentioned this to Will, and he doesn't even remember it, but I was playing a junior am qualifier at L.A. Country Club, and I wasn't even close to a cut, so it didn't matter. But I hit this shot, the eighth hole, I think, is a par five, and I hit my second shot in this. There's like a low waist area. All you need to know is I had this 200-yard shot, and I had to get it up over this lip of like a hill, but I had to keep it below a tree branch. And then I had to hook it 40 yards. 
and I had about a the window the size of a 40 inch flat screen to go through. And if I didn't hook it, it was out of bounds. And if I overhooked it, it was in the crap on the left. I think there was a hazard down there. And I hit it on the green. It was probably one of the greatest shots. It was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. Out of like a sandy lie. It didn't even have a good lie. And uh, I remember even Will was like pretty impressed by that shot. So Yeah. Yeah, I've seen you hit a couple pretty great recovery shots. But we'll save those for another episode too. Okay, I know the answer to this one. But who's your favorite player of all time? Uh, Tiger. Yeah, hands up. All right. And the last question. Who was in your dream foursome? You and three other players. The only reason I'm not going to put my dad in there is because he doesn't play golf. Right. Um, if he played golf or would enjoy it, then that's the thing. He would rather just sit there and walk with us. It would be my yeah, dad. If he, if he played golf, he'd be in my dream foursome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's pretty awesome. So because of that, I'd say probably Tiger, you, and probably some other pro. I just haven't thought of who. Yeah. I'd have to really think about it. But yeah. some other uh, pro with a good. Uh, so just me, good, me and Tiger's oh, good enough. Maybe, maybe Rory. Yeah, Rory, uh, Rory would be a lot of fun too. Yeah. So. Kisner's in mind just so we can pound Miller Lights all day. That's fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the, true. So we'd have a great time. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, this was a lot of fun. We'll have to do another one pretty soon. I need to hear the Paul McNamara left handed shot story. Uh, well, maybe you, we'll just you do should all get the best stories. That too. Actually, we should, I'll probably try and get him on and just hear some of his stories, too. So it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. This was fun. All right. Thanks.